Welcome. Welcome to Conversations in Compassion, a podcast by Dignity Maine, a program of Agape, and made possible by the contributions to Agape. Thank you. This is a different podcast. Instead of interviews, we have conversations. This is my attempt to demonstrate examples of what I call compassionate conversation. Through these conversations, I hope to address the discord in our families, in our communities, and in ourselves. And finally, to focus on the greatest need of our time, the need for compassion. So I love this uh, conversation with Abby around learning the craft, learning about being a helper, about being on the edge of bravery to dip into the soul of another human being, hear it so deeply, and also how the other side is that we want to fix people. We want to be the expert for them. We want to make sure that they stop suffering. We can feel this duality and the process of learning to be a helper. Abby, thank you. Thank you for doing this with me. And um, I'm not sure it's not f- if it's fair or not, given that I am... Uh, serving as your sort of intern supervisor uh, to ask you to do this. But I really have been curious um, about learning the craft of helping people, of supporting people. And um, I wondered what you thought about that. Well, first, I want to say that I'm honored that you thought to ask me into this space and to have this conversation. And um, it always is a pleasure to sit across from you and get to talk to you and learn from you. And so even though I might feel like a little nervous right now, um, I always appreciate the opportunity that you provide to continue to learn and grow and maybe push myself a little bit outside of my comfort zone um, because that's definitely, I think, where the growth lies is sort of on the edge of where we feel comfortable. So, yeah, this is another kind of opportunity that you're giving me to do that. So. As just, an intern, I do appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. I just also, you know, when you said it's right on the edge, that bravery is really where we learn the mm-hmm. courage, mm-hmm. and you know, to have the courage to say, just say yes and trust that whatever will happen next will be there. There's a certain growing edge there that's mm. part of who we are as humans. Yeah. And as I'm learning the craft, it's really scary to do that when it feels like what's on the receiving end of that is someone's wellness and someone's mental health. And so I think Mm -hmm. if the outcome was only going to affect me, that's one thing to push up against that edge of 
bravery and courage. But when there's the possibility of like making some kind of mistake and it could really affect somebody else's life, Mm -hmm. I take that really seriously. And I take the role as a counselor and a therapist really seriously. And I think that we all should. (laughs) Um, And so for me, it's been how do I balance stepping into some of the unknown and pushing sort of my own comfort level so that I can grow in my craft while also really wanting to ensure that I'm not causing any sort of harm to the people I serve um, by working outside of my competence. Right. But as an intern, I don't (laughs) feel fully competent in anything. So I feel like I'm always sort of, um, dancing that line of like, can I, should I do this? Should I not? Um, so yeah, it's been a challenge, but I've, I love, I love it. I love working with people. I just, I want to get it right, which is, as you know, Stephen, a theme (laughs) in my life. So (laughs) course it's going to show up here of course why would it not (laughs) and right away (laughs) here it is in the podcast i'm like i got to do this perfectly right exactly (laughs) and there and there is a struggle right that you that you love helping people just being present for people and then there's another part of you that says i i don't want to i don't want to injure anyone i don't want to do any harm Mm -hmm. and i don't even know what that is because i don't really know them Mm. So how do I, how do, how do I sort that out? Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, that's, that's like experience at the same time. You, you don't want to really give up the humility of that. Yeah. I think the analogy that just sort of popped in my head is like, if I, I'm sort of using a tool as a counselor that I maybe don't have a lot of experience with. And I almost have this analogy of like shooting a gun and how, unless I'm really good at handling this gun, I could really do some harm and damage. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, as an intern, I'm like holding this gun for the first time. And I'm like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to hurt anyone with it because it, it does feel like there's this, um, like we've, we have a real duty to, um, make sure that we're keeping, I don't know, like not causing more harm. And I can see the ways in which our field does that every day. The medical field, um, certainly does that to people regularly. And, um, and I think because like if, I was like a sharpshooter and I had a gun in my hand. I'd feel really confident that I wouldn't hurt anyone. Right. But I'm like the novice. (laughs) So. Well, and the novice adds the anxiety and the anxiety and ends up moving the target all the time because you're so anxious and scared, Mm. you know, and at the same time, you know, it's almost like you have to walk through the fear Mm -hmm. and that, and that shakiness to get to the, place where you're the shop shooter or that you have the craft that uh, you can be helpful to people. Yeah. I have to, to practice not being good at it in order to get any better. And so, but if I'm not doing like quote unquote good counseling, then could that in some way be inflicting harm? And um, so I think that that has been just something that's constantly 
been something that's held me back in terms of maybe like going out on a limb and making this guess with someone or trying this thing with someone that maybe would be helpful. Um, and, and I'm really like wanting to do that because I'm wanting to go deeper with people. I'm wanting to be effective and really help them, um, in a meaningful way. And if I stay right with them, right where they are, there's not a whole lot of movement. Mm-hmm. And people are coming to me being like, I want movement in my life. I want to understand this. I want to see something change. And so, yeah. <laughs> you said earlier that uh, the field, and you used medicine, but the field is doing harm. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if you had heard it or seen it and witnessed it. And you want to, you, you almost got a, like a sense of, I don't want to be doing that. Mm. And I don't even know what that means to you when you say that, you know, the world is harmful to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unfortunately, I hear it all the time. Clients sit with me for the first time and they talk to me about their experiences with other counselors and just how really harmful they've been and how it has held them back from wanting to seek help. Um, it's, it's questioned whether our field can even be helpful to them. Um, it's made them feel more shame and guilt and frustration than when they came in. And um, I, I, can see the way in which when we firmly believe that we're the expert in the room and that we know what's best for people versus really joining them where they're at and letting them decide what's best for them, um, that, that those are the situations where harm has really been done. And it, every time I hear about it, it breaks my heart that they had to go through that. And I've even experienced that personally Mm -hmm. where I've had counselor, a counselor who is very much an expert in the room all the time and how that at times could be helpful, but at times it could also um, perpetuate sort of the same shame that I've experienced my whole life. And um, that's certainly not helping <laughs> me to move past it. So it's a, you, you get this concept of, you know, like expert in the room. There's, it's not you. Mm-hmm. And that when people are the expert, when they medicine or a therapist or counselor or coach or whomever, and they become the expert of that person's life, then it doesn't allow the person to know Mm themselves, listen to themselves, Mm -hmm. find the whisper within themselves. And you have experienced it. You can see it and you can see that often when people come, that that's what they report to you. Mm -hmm. That more often than not, they've experienced somebody with power over. Yeah. And the sad thing is, is it's most of them come to me and say that 
they know what they want. They hear maybe the whisper. They're in touch with what feels like their truth. And then when they give that over to a medical provider, a counselor, um, they're made to question that of like, no, that's not what you need. Or have you tried this? Just like so blatantly being dismissed, not being listened to, not being heard or validated in their experience. And then they start to question. So their own, maybe I am, maybe I'm making this all up. Maybe it's not as bad as they're as I'm making it out to be. And I, maybe I am just dramatic, right? Like they start to almost gaslight themselves because they're not believed in their experience and how harmful that can be when, when the distrust really um, takes root within ourselves. It's uh, you go to seek support and somebody starts to, gaslight your own ideas that or minimizes your ideas doesn't listen to you and then you feel it internally mm-hmm. that there's something wrong with you mm-hmm. and then you add to the shame mm-hmm. and there's a whole educational process that you've been through that's all about training your brain to be the expert. Mm-hmm. And so then you sit in the room and then you got to figure out like what they gave me over there is not what I need in this room. Yeah. It feels like a constant battle of, I have all this knowledge. I've been told what I'm supposed to do in the room And so I'm sort of constantly questioning, should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? Um, What would be most helpful to this person? Because that ultimately is Mm. my goal is to be helpful to them in some way. Mm. And I am very grateful that I've, that I had, the chance to do my internship here with you because it allowed me to start to undo and some of the things that I was taught that I think would have perpetuated more harm and that I could have very easily fallen into the role that so many counselors do where they're like, have you done this? Have you tried this? Why aren't you doing this? Like, and how, although it might be from a place of good intention, um, I don't know how helpful it is unless that person is really asking for those things. Mm. There's something in their request that makes it space for the expert. Mm-hmm. And until then, it really is about our collaboration. It really is about power with. Mm-hmm. And that most people don't get that. What they get is ask lots of questions, come up with a good solution and offer that solution. And if they don't, you can say that they're resistant. Mm. They're in denial. Mm-hmm. They're defensive. They're not ready. And how we have such a tendency 
to really skip over the suffering, Mm. to focus on the solution, to focus on the positive and what's going well and do more of that. And the solution, it's just the way I think that our society is sort of structured and, um, and how people really don't have a space where they can really truly speak their truth and be heard without someone trying to fix it or give them advice or to shut down the conversation in its entirety. And so even if I can just provide that space, I know how valuable it is. Mm. You said valuable. How valuable is that? I think it's what we all need and what almost none of us get. (laughs) So it feels like such a rarity. Um, And I always feel really honored that I can provide that for people to just bring their whole truth to me and I will sit with it and I will see it and I will believe it and I will provide empathy for it. And, and sometimes nothing else, but that I'm not going to try to change it or fix it or necessarily make it better. But just to know that they don't have to carry all of that on their own. They can share it. They can. Yeah. Um, I love the concept of you don't have to carry it alone. Mm-hmm. You're just really clear about that. I'll, I'll carry this with you. Mm-hmm. And then how do you keep your own parts of you that have been taught to help people and not just let them do that, let them share whatever is going on with them with you and you hold it with them. And that way it's the weight of it is not as dearly as that was before they walked through the door. And then you have this other part of you that I got a master's degree. I got, I learned how to do a good assessments. I can do, cognitive behavioral treatment. I can, I can do uh, skill training. I can do all of that because I learned it all. And at that moment, all the person was asking me for is, could you carry this weight? How do you, how do you even begin to sit in a room with somebody and learn the craft with those two going on at the same time? Yeah, it's, can be really, really hard. It's still hard and it's something I'm still learning to do. And I think the biggest challenge for me is to sort of drop down into my heart space and into like my emotional um, state of being and not try to like jump up into my head and intellectualize the whole thing and like, oh, we could talk about this or we could unpack that or we could go deeper here. I could ask this. Right. And I'm like trying to, Mm -hmm. because I do really want to be helpful. Um, but I think there is something that's really lost when I'm too up in my head wondering about how do I say this? How do I ask that? (laughs) Am I, am I even being helpful? How can I be more helpful? Right. It's like, I've totally lost just like being present in the moment with that person and how Mm -hmm. important that is. Yeah, you can feel 
that duality going on inside yourself, especially as you're learning it. Mm-hmm. You know, you're trying to learn a craft and you you got to think about it. You got to think about it like, a, what do I say here? How do I, how do I go deeper into this, this trauma whisper, this part of them? Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the same time, the other part's going, don't go too deep because maybe you can't pull them out and maybe you don't have the skills and maybe they need something else. And, and you're kind of just balancing this conversation in your head mm-hmm. while you're trying to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's sort of like if you were learning to play the piano, when you're first learning, you really have to think hard about, okay, where are my hands placed on the keyboard? And I have to move my pinky here and my thumb here. Right. And you really have to think about it until one day you sit at the piano and you don't really have to think anymore. Like there's this muscle memory of just being able to move your fingers without even thinking about it. And I still feel like I'm at the point in my learning where I'm very much thinking about where my fingers need to go and which one needs to move where. And then I move one and it's clunky and it doesn't sound good. And, um, and that it just, it takes practice before I'll get better at getting out of my head and being in my heart space and maybe having trust in my own ability to be able to respond in that moment without having to be so in my head. You have said a couple of times, this heart space. Mm-hmm. What is that? For me, it's when I'm really ple- present with my emotional side, my emotional being, when I really feel connected emotionally to a person and I'm not so up in my head thinking because those, when I'm up in my head thinking, I'm not really feeling like dropping down into my body and really resonating on an emotional level with the person across from me. Because I feel like if I let go of my intellectual side, then when the the volleyball gets tossed back to me and it's in my court, I'm just going to not know what to say. Um, and so I think I have a little bit of a fear of letting go of all the thoughts going on in my head and just really being with a person in their feelings, because then I'm, I don't, I don't know what'll come out next. I feel like I need to constantly be planning of like, Mm -hmm. what is my reflection going to be? Or how am I going to focus on like they're suffering or maybe I need to move to, to change. Right. And so all that time I'm in my head and not just really present with what the person is bringing. And so that's definitely a constant battle in therapy, but also just when I move through the world. (laughs) It's a beauty because it's sort of the same process really. Right. As I move through the world, Mm -hmm. you know, can I also be present? I mean, really present. Mm -hmm with the people in my life mm-hmm. and uh, whether it's a visitor or a, a person I love dearly or, mm-hmm. or even a person that causes me great pain. How do I sit in the presence? Mm-hmm. You know, and you're talking about this heart space, this it's almost as if you have lost, you're, you're gone. You're internally connected to them. Mm-hmm. You can, have a felt sense of them, if you will, or mm-hmm. 
and as you describe it, it's also sort of a, how uncomfortable that can be. It would be so much easier to just stay in your head. Mm-hmm. You would think that dropping those from what you hear people saying to the heart you know, is a difficult process. Mm-hmm. Because you just told me earlier that the rest of the field isn't doing it. Mm-mm. Yeah, and we're not really taught how to do it either. Yeah. And it is sort of an abstract thing. Mm-hmm. It's not... Um, something that I think that's easily taught, but I think it's really important. Part of this, part of this series of, you know, conversations, uh, you know, one, there's a lot about, there are people that are suffering, really suffering out there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you're aware of some of them. You can, you've been with some of them. You, sat across from them or talked to them on the phone. And uh, I I guess I'd wondered what you would want to say to somebody who is beginning this road of this craft in the face because you've also seen the pain that this field has caused people. Mm -hmm. What would you say? I think I would want them to really slow down and be present with the person across from them and to always remember that they're the expert in the room. They're the ones who come in with all of their life experience up to that very moment and who are going to leave our office and continue to navigate their lives without us and how they're the ones that really have the power, not us. We might have an expertise in an area of focus, which is counseling, but we don't have any sort of expertise in that in each person's life, in that particular person's life. And so, yeah, we, of course we have some wonderful things that we can offer them, but that it's not our role to offer them in an unsolicited way. And we can only know what they're really asking for in each moment. If we're really listening deeply, like, do they need us to offer our expertise right now? And I would say that, 90% of the time the answer is no. And that what they really need is to be believed so they can access sort of their own knowing of what's best for them and how we can support them in doing that. Not what we think is best because it's not my life. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and it's not always that clear cut, but I think, continuously sort of trying to find like our own humility Mm. and to really practice what it means to be present for someone else. To really be present, to be humble, Mm. to, uh, to carry the weight 
with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, the trap of uh, wanting to make them better um, is mostly for us. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's hard to learn a craft when you're trying to always wonder, am I, am I doing harm? Mm-hmm. Am I... Is this what she, they need? Mm. Is this that what they really, really, really want, even beyond what they can tell us? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think what comes up for me more is less actually around, am I actively like doing harm? or It's more of like this constant question of like, am I being helpful and am I doing enough? Like they're coming to me asking for help and relief. And so the question that it comes up for me is like, am I fulfilling that? Am I being helpful? Because mm. I want to be helpful. I want to help relieve some of the suffering in people's lives and to help them move forward in a, in a way that is really meaningful to them. And so that's the question I think that's constantly plaguing me is like, am I being helpful? And that I probably need to have a little bit more trust in the fact that just showing up in the way that I do and th- that that is helpful. <laughs> um, but I think it's, it can be hard to trust that I'm being helpful sometimes. Yeah. It's, it, it's hard to trust that mm-hmm. if I bring my full being, my every organ I have to listen to who this individual is, I merge into their soul and then I, listen deeply to how they respond to that, just to hear the whisper beyond it. And I be respond to what I've heard and check it out and get some kind of clarity. And then I let go. I let something greater than both of us be in charge. Mm. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Yes. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to today's conversation. And I hope you enjoyed it. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you find your podcasts. I'd like to give a heartfelt thanks to all the contributors to Agape Inc. for their support in making this podcast possible. If you care to join us, please go to DignityMain.com to get involved. Thank you. Thank you again for being here. And take care.